It is Tuesday, December 3rd, or should I say Drew December 3rd. What's going on, Broncos country? This is Tanner Lee, along with Jeff Ryan. We're going to be talking about the Broncos' uh, big win, I guess you could say, over the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday by a score of 23-20 to improve their record to 4-8. and eight. And Jeff, you were at the game in person on Sunday, so I want to get your take right away. What was the atmosphere like? especially with the little over 19,000 no-shows in attendance. Hey, Tanner, good to be with you again on another podcast uh, for Orange Weekly. Um, Like you said, I was there at the game, and it was obviously fun to be at. I would much rather be at the game than uh, sit at home and watch it, especially when we were 3-8. and Um, But, you know, I mean, I... I really actually think the atmosphere was pretty dang good for a three and eight football team. I think there was definitely some excitement around Locke, and I think the the crowd got into it pretty quick just because we went up fourteen nothing. Locke was looking really good in the first quarter. I think that kind of set the tone um, for the crowd to be excited, and and the nineteen thousand plus no shows um, did not impact the crowd noise all that much as it was incredibly loud. Um, in the fourth quarter at the end of the game on those two back-to-back false start penalties, I turned to my dad and he couldn't hear me. So it's a good sign that, you know, mile high still gets super loud. It's, it's, um, it's a special place to me and to the rest of Broncos country. I know, but there's no doubt it's disappointing to see that many empty seats in there. And quite frankly, I don't totally blame people i don't know what your take is on that yeah i'm glad you brought that up because i read a couple articles today uh and the articles were stating you know if you're one of those people who no showed um don't feel bad it doesn't mean you're less of a fan blah 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 yeah just it kind of was almost the opposite like fans are finally starting to take a stand and tell the broncos brass you know ellis elway etc we are tired of watching the Brandon Allen's, Joe Flacco's, Case Keenum's, Brock Osweiler's, Paxton Lynch's, Trevor Simeon's, mm-hmm. and we're tired of watching this product on the field. It's it's time to mm-hmm. do something about it and change it. And and you know that unfortunately one of the ways you have to express change. You know they'll they'll see that there's not as many uh, ticket sales coming through or people mm-hmm. buying merchandise or concessions or whatever. I mean that's that's one of the ways you kind of have to take a stand. And the article even said you know when the Avalanche are bad. They were only getting 6,000 at games mm-hmm. when the Nuggets were bad. They were only getting 8,000. Then I said, well, the Rockies always get attendance because people love to go party and yeah, see, it's the warm weather. see the atmosphere. So he said Montford will never never change his ways. Why they're, And the article stated why there's 3 million people in attendance. <laughs> so, uh, right, right. Uh, so, yeah, I don't necessarily – I don't blame them. I mean, it is disappointing to see because the Broncos do have such loyal fans. But – in a way, you can't blame them. It's expensive to go to a game, and it's uh, just tired of You know, it's a proud organization that's prided itself on winning in the winning tradition, mm-hmm. and we're tired of going through this spell. 
We are, and it's um, if I was a season ticket holder, I it would be hard for me to justify going to eight regular season home games um, late into November and December when it's cold um, around the holidays when families in town whatnot, um, and when your team is three and eight and boring, quite frankly, really boring, um, and it's the same old thing week after week. Um, I know there were some exciting things to get into in this game, but really we saw a lot of the same in the second half because of the coaching staff, which I know will be a big point to hit on. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't blame people. I want to say, you know, my dad and I went cause we were excited to go see Drew Locke, you know, and, and I think um, the good thing about Broncos country is that we are so passionate that, you know, we didn't, a lot of people probably went just to see him and that's pretty cool. But, um, but no, does it surprise me that there was that many empty seats? maybe a little bit. Um, but I don't, I do not blame people at all. And we're just not used to this level of suckage for so long. And so in my lifetime, I had never, I had never experienced the Broncos this down for this long, which is crazy to think that it's, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, four years for most organizations is (laughs) not that bad. Um, but for me, it's just, I hadn't, I hadn't seen that for, with uh, the Broncos where we, we, we where we were so bad. The product on the field was so bad that fans didn't want to go. And so we're just in a new we're in a new generation right now of Broncos football. We've talked about this at length that a lot of this will start to turn, I think, with, with the front office figuring out what the heck they need to figure out um, and hopefully solving some of the roster issues that we have. Yeah, well put. Um, and, and I really liked your comment there on, you know, Four years isn't that long for a lot of franchises. Um, and in the NFL, you can turn around quickly. I mean, look at San Fran mm-hmm. just a few years ago. They were in the, in, in the basement of the NFL, and now they're yeah. uh, one of the best teams. So it, it can yeah. turn around uh, quickly if you get the right pieces in place, both uh, mm-hmm. with the management, coaching staff, and players. So um, No doubt. No but doubt. Do, I- you, do you think the uh, bad attendance carries over into week 16 and 17 against Detroit and Oakland? Um, to be honest, I do think it will depend a lot on the weather. (laughs) Um, I think, you know, if it's 50 degrees, I think people are much more inclined to say, oh yeah, let's, let's use our tickets. It'll be a nice day. It was thinking cold on Sunday. And and so I think that did play a big role in the combination of how bad and boring we've been. Um, if Drew Locke plays like he did, um, on Sunday and the offense allows him to open it up a little bit. I would expect the attendance to rise a little bit, um, but I also would say we're most likely, and I would be shocked if we don't, go 0-2 in these next two games. Um, and so going 0-2 and putting our record at 4-10 and will be hard to draw people in. Yeah, and the Lions aren't a big draw. Um, no. I could see Week 17, I mean, being the Raiders, being the last time they'll ever play the Oakland Raiders, yeah. um, and, and if the Raiders are still in a – potential wild card hunt um mm-hmm. that could draw attendance up i think but uh I, yeah that's a good point yeah yeah i don't you know that week 16 one might be might be kind of difficult but at the same time like you said uh they can go see drew lock now i mean they see the kid play one game and he's definitely uh definitely fun to watch so that's for sure Oh, no doubt um no doubt. and maybe you don't know all this off the top of your head but uh now you got to see the debut of drew lock <laughs> How many starting quarterbacks have you seen for the Broncos live over your lifetime? In their debut? No, or? just just in general. 
Oh gosh, let me starting think about games. That. No, I, I'm sure you've been I'm, at a game where you've seen somebody come in relief or something. But sure, sure, I'm gonna have to um, work my way backwards. Sure. I'll start from current and work my way back. Mm-hmm. I I'll probably miss someone, but let me think about it. For sure, um, obviously, Locke, uh, Brandon Allen against Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Uh, Flacco against. I mean, that's the pretty Raiders. incredible, right there. You saw all three yeah. quarterbacks this year. That's pretty. Didn't think that would happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my dad and I were joking, saying, "My God, we've been to more games this year than most years, and we're we're four and eight. What the heck?" Well, easy to get tickets, but, so yeah, <laughs> um, easier, I should say. Yes. Um. So there's three right there this year. Um. I saw. Oh God! I saw Brock Osweiler. I know one you're Star. forgetting already that you've skipped. Um, last I year I saw Ke- Keenum. Yep. There you go. Because I saw Thank him you. with you. So yeah. Yep. Yep. We saw Keenum together. Um, I know I saw Osweiler and I saw Paxton Lynch against the Chiefs when Mahomes made his debut. Um, I saw. I think we're up to six. Um, my God, did I see Tebow? Yeah, I definitely did. I saw Tebow against the Chiefs in the worst football game of all time I've ever watched, <laughs> seven to three at home. Yeah, I remember that game. Yep, I saw Orton live. That's eight. Uh, for- I've seen Plum. You're yeah, for- you're forgetting a a big one. I saw Simeon and Manning. There you go. I was like, man, you're, probably, Thank you. you're forgetting the Thank biggest you. one on the list. I know. I'm just thinking of names. Sorry. Yeah, sure. No, that's impressive. Simeon and Manning. So I think, what is that, 10 or 11 now? With Plummer, that's 10. Yeah. All right. Um, and then I've seen Elway live. I've seen. I did not know that. I didn't, I didn't know you ever saw Elway live. I did, yeah. I saw him at the Old Mile High um, okay. a few times, Monday night against the Dolphins. Saw him I, play the Raiders I once. I did not know that. Okay, cool. It was fun, man. I, it, it's memories that, you know, I was like six sure, or seven years sure, old, so but... it's, it's tough. But um, I saw Cutler a bunch. Um, I forgot about him, him a bunch. Yeah, I saw Brian Greasy. Um, those are the, the, the – that's what I can remember. Yeah. I'm sure there might be, you know, one or two guys that came in as a backup. Did you ever see Burline? That's the one I was thinking. I don't think I did. Okay. I don't man, think that's, so. That's a heck of a list, though. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> Probably not for the majority of the list, but it's still impressive. Especially, especially considering in that same time frame, the Patriots have essentially had one starting quarterback outside of that year with Matt Castle. I know it. I know good it. Good God. Yep. Yeah. It's yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. But uh, so. that's still that's still pretty neat. I I've seen about almost half that list. But, yeah, also uh, impressive. Yeah, in, in, in 10 years, 10 or 11 years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, all right, so let's get into the game. Like I kind of mentioned uh, in the intro, is Drew Simber for Broncos country, not December, because yes, the Broncos finally unlocked their quarterback and let the rookie make his debut. Uh, he was the 10th rookie uh, quarterback in Broncos history to make a start, the 50th different quarterback to make a start in franchise history. And he became the first Broncos rookie quarterback to win his debut since. Can you answer that for me? Uh, oh, it's um, I think it's Elway. No, Elway lost his first game. 
Oh, I don't know. Gary Kubiak in 1983. Oh, there you go. Yep, out of Texas A&M. Thank, so, thank you for that. Yep, there you go. So, All right. But, no, I thought he played pretty well looking at his stats. He was 18 for 28 for 134 yards, two touchdowns, both coming in the first quarter to Cortland Sutton, including an incredible – a good throw, but an incredible one-handed catch by Sutton. And then he did have one bad interception. I think that was in the third quarter. But um, – you know, the numbers don't pop out on you, but it's one of those performances. Um, you know, I thought he looked the part. He uh, played better yes. than his stats say, you know, for – and that's a good defense he's playing against. And I thought he moved around mm-hmm. well – well, moved around well in the pocket, and, and his, he definitely showed off his arm strength. Yes, yes. I felt like he was throwing the ball with ease. It just looked like it was coming out of his hands real easy. Didn't look like he was putting – you know, ton of effort into these passes that were on the money. I mean, I, that's what I was most um, impressed with. Um, you know, it's cliche to say, well, I think he's got a big arm or a good arm. You know, most quarterbacks in the NFL probably got to the NFL with a big arm. But but when you're comparing NFL quarterbacks, I do think he has a bigger arm or a stronger arm than most. I mean, Brandon Allen, you saw him throw the ball into the wind there in Buffalo, and he couldn't get it 20 yards. Correct. Um yep. 30 yards to the sidelines. So um, I think that will be a huge component. Um, and his playmaking ability is what we, you and I have talked about this whole year in terms of wanting to see a playmaker at quarterback that we have not had um, really, in my opinion, since before Manning. Manning was, he was a playmaker with his mind. He, he was not rolling out of the pocket. <laughs> you know, he, if that makes sense, he, he was using his mind to beat defenses. Sure. He was yeah. using his ability to step into the pocket, know how to, you know, get the ball out quick, those kind of things. I do see more of a playmaker like I saw in Plummer and Cutler um, than I've seen in any other quarterback that the Broncos have had since those guys. I, what do you think? No, I, I, I agree with you. Um, and, you know, I I know Cutler played for the Broncos for three years, but I definitely just remember him on the Bears more than I do on the mm. Broncos. But, um uh, one of my good friends, I was talking to him yesterday about Drew Locke, and he goes, yeah, I didn't watch much of the game, but he said uh, just from the pieces I caught, he said he just looks like Cutler out there, the way he moves. Oh, but he, but yeah. he goes, he did show more emotion at the end of the game, after the game, running around, yes. jumping around than Cutler ever did. But he said just from yep. a eyeball standpoint, just the way he moves and kind of looks out there and, and his uh, moxie yeah. um, looks yeah. like Cutler. No, I, I, my dad and I made the same points in the stadium. We were like, this guy looks like Cutler. I mean, I, I remember seeing Cutler play the Chargers in that famous Ed Hockley game live, and there, there's just certain things, the way Drew Locke moves around the pocket, gets out of the pocket, the way he even throws the ball. I'm like, am I looking at Jay Cutler here? It's it's bizarre. Um, but I, I was a huge Cutler fan. I know that sounds crazy now, but I really was. Um, I loved the way he threw the football. I loved um, the way he was able to evade pressure. He just didn't care at the end of the day. Um, I think the diabetes diagnosis did affect him uh, when he was diagnosed with that. But I don't know. I, I think this is the most important part of this discussion in the podcast just because we saw, I think, a sh- somewhat of a shining light, even though the stats don't show it. And the stats don't show it because our coaching staffs, especially 
Rick's, Rich Gangarello is lost, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because, um, yeah, let's let's just get right into it because, you know, everybody I've been hearing or talking to has been ripping on him and fair, you know, fair opinions. Uh, but Mark Slareth came on today after reviewing the tape and defended Scangarello. I thought mm. that was interesting. Um, he said for everybody saying that the Broncos got conservative, he said they didn't get conservative at all if you go back and watch the tape. He said they just were poor at executing the plays that were called. He said they dialed up yeah. a lot of good creative run plays. They just weren't working in the second half. But So that, that that's where I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I – you know, I'll admit I'm too much of a uh, reaction guy. I react right away. Yeah. Don't take time to think about what I'm saying sometimes or, you know, go back and watch things. So, in and, and, and I don't know the X and O's well enough to, you know, say right. that he didn't necessarily go conservative or whatnot, but I felt like he did at the time. And maybe it wasn't the plays themselves, but I thought the type of plays – um, mm-hmm. I thought there was a lot of times they should let him throw a little more than they did. It was the selections of selecting to run instead of pass. But there was mm-hmm. also other things like he brought up how everybody was, you know, saying the offense offense went all conservative, but yet the offensive line didn't allow any sacks. But if you watch a lot of the formations, we were running a lot of tight ends stacked up with each other to help the line out because they knew Ingram and Bosa could affect that game big time. So yes. it was interesting with some of the points he was bringing up. But I agree, just watching it on TV, it is frustrating at times because the offense – I mean, this is an offense, Jeff, since the start of 2017, has only scored over 24 points four times. Yeah, the league average is 17 times. The next closest mm-hmm. is nine times, the next lowest besides four. Wow. Four times wow. since the start of 2017. Wow. Yeah. No, it says a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it really does. And it, I, I'm not Mark Slareth. I didn't play in the NFL. I, you know, like <laughs> you said, we don't know the X's yeah. and O's of everything, mm-hmm. but I think we're smart enough fans to see trends and to see flows to games and to, to score 14 points in the first quarter, move the ball like that. In multiple games over the last few years, and especially this year with Scangarello, and then go completely flat after that. I'm sorry, that's not a mis- that's not an accident. That is a flaw in adjusting. It's a flaw in the scheme. It's a flaw in 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 Scangarello being able to think on his feet and maybe see how the game is changing and be able to change his own ways of thinking. I I'm not saying that he doesn't have the right plays in the playbook to be successful. We've seen it in the first quarter and in the first half against Minnesota. And I mean, I, we could go through multiple games where we've seen very high, you know, high, highest of highs on the offense. But the fact that we're seeing lowest of lows tells me there's no consistency in the thought process of what he wants to do in the second half, especially um, when you score 17 points in the first half. And we also got very conservative there right before the half. Um, and I, that I thought um, we could have gone up even 20 to three, 24 to three. Instead, we punt, the defense falls apart, and now it's 17 to 10. They're right back in the game. When you score 17 points at half, you should score over 24 in the game. And we've seen that time and time again that we don't. And it's just, to me, 
that has to be coaching. It absolutely has to be. And I, there's so many plays that you see develop where you're like, what, why did he call that in that situation? That's not that it's a bad play call. It's just in that, that situation, it makes no sense. It feels like we say that a lot. Yeah, particularly when he does an end around to Noah Fant. Yeah, yeah, I'm so sick of that. <laughs> I was glad we didn't see one of those this week because I would have lost my yeah. mind. Yeah, but no, I, no, I agree with you. They're definitely really a really good offense. Needless to say, when they're script, they have scripted plays, but mm-hmm. it's just making adjustments on the fly. He just hasn't been impressive to me, especially in the second half. It just seems like he can't make adjustments yeah. at halftime. Yeah, and I agree. I think that you know. Everyone on the radio that knows this guy says he's a smart guy, says he knows what he's doing, says it's going to take some time. You know, the Kyle Shanahan's, the Sean McVay's, all these brilliant offensive minds, Adam Gase's, they didn't know it in a year. But we're seeing the same, literally, the same thing, game after game after game. Um, And I texted you this uh, after the game on Sunday and said, if we continue to see this same trend in the next four games, I don't see why we wouldn't look into hiring a new offensive coordinator because he has had chances to adjust. And if you can't adjust at all, even a little bit in season, why why risk that for next year? No, I, I agree. I think these next four games are crucial for him. I think he's under a scope next four games. Um, he's got he's got to show a little bit of improvement. Um, mm-hmm. I, I agree. I don't, I, I don't know what direction they would turn to if they want to make a change, but there's a lot of names out there. A lot of names available. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know Vic believes a lot in him, or he wouldn't have brought him in. Thinks mm-hmm. he's a young up and comer in the NFL. That's an offensive genius, but we just haven't really seen it this year. So, yeah. but look and at one that. more point. Yep. One more point. Sorry, on the offensive line. I not enough people are talking about this. I think the reason that we didn't see um, a sack on Drew Locke was because of his ability to get out of the pocket, to step in um, and out of pressure, um, to see that there was a blitz coming and get rid of it. That touchdown pass to Cortland, he almost got killed. Um, I think Flacco probably would have taken the sack there. Um, I think Brandon Allen probably wouldn't have recognized it. Um, he there, There's a couple plays where he was able to recognize the blitz, get out and just throw it away, which we also haven't seen effectively from either quarterback this year so I actually still credit Drew Locke on a lot of that yeah I I agree I thought he moved around really well back there he even had three rushing attempts for 15 yards um Mm -hmm. yeah it just it didn't look forced when he had to move you know he didn't look Mm -hmm. like he wasn't gonna run until he had no other option um yeah he did it looked like he didn't feel uncomfortable running what I should say so he didn't seem all that flustered at all no no it you know, and I like what his dad, Andy Locke, I think I think that's his name, Andy, uh, said after the game. Um, he told Drew before the game, hey, you've played in bigger moments. Um, yeah. Or he meant, I think he meant more like pressure moments. like Right, right. You know, I don't know, big college games or championship games or bowl games or something. So, uh, yeah, yeah he, the kid, it, the moment wasn't too big for the kid. He, he proved that in the first quarter. He proved he belonged. Um, that was a great first quarter. Um, two touchdowns. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better opening debut in the first quarter. 
So not at all. But uh, looking at the stats overall on the offensive side of the ball, Philip Lindsay had 58 58 yards on 17 carries. Royce Freeman 11 yards on five carries. And receiving wise, Cortland Sutton keeps proving why he's the Broncos' number one wide receiver and got to be for many many years. 74 yards on four catches along with two touchdowns. Then it drops off to Jeff Hireman, 15 yards, three catches. Royce Freeman, 13 yards on four catches. Deshaun Hamilton, 12 ca- yards on two catches. He also had a big-time drop wide open. Um, uh-huh. Beck had uh, 11 yards on one catch. Noah Fant, five yards on one catch. Philip Lindsay, four yards on three catches. On the offensive side of the ball for the Chargers, Philip R- Rivers in what could be his last game against the Broncos at mile high was 20 for 29 for 265 yards, two touchdowns, one one interception. Melvin Gordon had 20 carries for 99 yards. Austin Eckler, nine carries for 16 yards. Malik Williams had five receptions for 117 yards. He always seems to kill the Broncos. So does Keenan Allen. Um, Even though we shut him down in the first game, he did have six receptions for 68 yards and a touchdown. Austin Eckler, one of the better receiving backs in the league, four receptions for 51 yards and a touchdown. Melvin Gordon, two receptions for 11 yards. Hunter Henry, two for 10. And Patton, one for eight. Um, Any game balls on the offensive side of the ball for you this week? Uh, Cortland Sutton, for sure. Um, He gets my game ball on the offensive side. I... um... I don't know if they showed this on TV, but the guy is just a stud. You know, after that first touchdown pass, which or first touchdown catch, excuse me, which was just unbelievable. I don't know how he still caught that at all, how he maintained control of that. Um, But after that, he was, you know, running up the sideline, pumping up the crowd, and they were showing him on the big screen. He was pounding his chest and stuff, and the guy just cares so much. And the crowd was going nuts for him, and so it was. That was really cool to see. He he, you can tell he's going to fit in very well for a long time as a Bronco. And he's definitely benefiting from uh, the tr- Emmanuel Sanders trade. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. we all hated to see Emmanuel go, but in the long term, it might be a uh, you know addition by subtraction uh, situation because Cortland's definitely benefiting from it, and his confidence is just rising week to week. He's becoming the Broncos' true number one wide receiver. Now, I don't know mm-hmm. how you feel, but I would love them to try to draft, or if not draft, look for one in free agency, a number two, a true number two yeah. wide receiver. I think that's a need. Yeah. I completely agree. I really like Tim Patrick. I think he can stick around on this offense, but he's probably not a number two. I kind of I kind of like the you know, the tall go-up-and-get-it wide receiver with the combo of an Emmanuel Sanders-type player. We saw that for years with DT and him. Um, so if we could pair something like that, um, in Sutton and a true number two, I agree. I think that would be, I think that'd be huge. And in this draft class, uh, the draft experts are calling it the deepest wide receiver draft in the history. So interesting. And they're they're calling it a deep O line draft, which I feel like every draft is. And they're still calling it a deep quarterback draft, except the quarterback talks kind of they're kind of backing off a bit because a lot of mm-hmm. these quarterbacks have been struggling as of late. Um, mm-hmm. But the wide receiver, yeah, there's plenty of good wide receivers. Um, well, so just as a, there's two, I'm going to plug here for CU and plug for Purdue, but um, my first plug for CU, Lavishka Chenault is the number fifth rated wide receiver mm-hmm. um, on most draft boards coming out in this year's draft. Most likely a late first rounder. Yeah, I see. I've seen him in don't, the 20s. Yep. Yeah, don't be surprised if the Broncos end up with a draft pick. They don't love their positioning at them falling back, getting some more, maybe even two late first rounders and, and drafting him because he is a stud. 
Um, and uh, then my Purdue plug, maybe uh, maybe next year we see a little, or in two years, excuse me, we see a little Rondale Moore on the in the orange and blue. Well, he uh, if he <laughs> if he has a good year next year, he could put himself in the first round. Uh, yeah. He's a little undersized, but nah, that doesn't always matter in the NFL. I mean, we've seen guys look at Darren Sproles. Um, yep. So I thought maybe you were uh, putting in a plug for a second round Bryson Hopkins pick there. Well, I would love Bryson Hopkins at the tight end position. Man, he's he's, been a he's, stud. he's a stud. He is, yep. and, the, and the Broncos yep. do love themselves Big Ten tight ends. They sure but, do. But they just drafted fans, so I, I mean, yep. but I don't know what Hireman's situation is going forward or anything. Um, but yep. uh, but they do love Big Ten tight ends, so you never know. But yep. Uh, and on the defense side of the ball for the Broncos, oh, and I'll I'll give a game ball to Drew Lock. I'll give the kid a game okay. ball. I like your choice like of it. Sutton, but. He wins his NFL debut, throws two touchdowns, looks good in doing it. Give him the game ball. A defense, like uh, the leading tack. We had two guys tied with uh, six total tackles, Todd Davis and Alexander Johnson. He just keeps impressing me week after week. Um, and then we had Derek Wolf get two sacks. Unfortunately, he uh, dislocated his elbow, and he's out for the year. Talk about a guy who usually bounces back from injuries. Unfortunately, this one he just couldn't. Um, I saw him take – to Twitter today and tweet how bummed he was that that could potentially be his last moment and last game in a Broncos uniform. And he was bummed that the play that he got hurt on should have been called dead because it was off. It was a false start by uh, Feeney and it should should have been called dead. He got, he got hit by friendly fire. Um, the own teammate, I don't know who it was. I don't know if it was Johnson or Davis or who was, uh, ran into him, but, uh, Derek Wolf was having a career year, seven sacks, uh, in a contract year, um, I really hope he's back in the orange and blue. He seems like a guy that I would love to end his career endeavor, but he knows it's a business. And I'm mm-hmm. kind of afraid at the end of the day somebody's going to offer him more money. Yeah, and it depends on how much that means to him. Um, you know, guys have guys have stayed in place at you know in places for for cheaper because they love it here and or wherever they may be. And I, I think. He's said multiple times how much he loves it here and how much he wants to finish his career. But it, like you said, at the end of the day, it's nice to say that, but how many of those guys really, really, you know, mean it? And, I don't know. And I would love to see him, both him and Chris Harris Jr. back. I don't know if that's possible. Don't know if it will happen. Because And you got to think, both these guys are in unique situations because unlike a lot of Broncos in the past, they've won a Super Bowl in Denver. So they mm-hmm. might want to go ring chasing and go to a more veteran team that has a chance to win right away. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. Um, and, and, and really, my I think the Broncos, I'm hoping within the next four weeks here, they got to get Justin Simmons a contract extension. Yes. They cannot yes. let him walk. Kid's got too bright yep. of a future. Keeps getting better and better. And, you know, I look back two years ago when we were all painfully saying goodbye to T.J. Ward. If the Broncos wouldn't have made that move, they wouldn't. Justin Simmons wouldn't be where he is now. Yeah, no, I that was the one uh, cut that I was wrong about not liking, and it it has definitely worked out quite well, and it was the good, the right decision. Ward has not done anything since he left, so um, and is now not in the league. So, and um, I think we got to give a uh, shout out to uh, Will Parks getting his first career sack on a safety blitz. It was nice to see him back yep. back in action. And rookie uh, Draymond Jones getting a, yeah. his first career interception. Nice heads-up play by the lineman to pick off yep. Phil Rivers there. Um, so uh, any any game balls on the defense side of the ball? 
Um, you may agree with me here. I think I'd only give one to Derek Wolf uh, getting his career high in tackles. I know he got a game ball um, mm-hmm. by Vic after the game, but that's who I give it to. I think he's deserving of that. And like I said, I hope he stays a Bronco uh, for the rest of his career. I agree. That would be the only guy I give a game ball to on the defense. But I'm going to give a game ball to BMAC, Brandon McManus, for hitting the game-winning field goal. Um, yes, sir. I I haven't seen a kicker that mad on the sidelines um, yeah. before halftime like that. He was furious that they didn't let him get a shot at tying the record. Um, mm-hmm. And I was kind of mad at the at the point at the time too. Like I just didn't see the downside of not attempting it. I guess the only thing that could have happened, the two things, you could have got a blocked in return, or um, yeah. King I guess could have returned it for a touchdown. But I was willing to take take my our chances there. I mean. I don't know. It's you get an extra seven to eight yards usually in the altitude, and he can bomb yeah. the ball. Um, why and not? There was no why not try it? You hit that. Like remember when Prater did years ago against the Titans? The Broncos yeah. needed that at the time. Yeah. He got the whole stadium yeah. going and the whole game. The momentum just carried over in the second half. Yeah. Sometimes that can happen on special teams. That just really kind of ticked me off that they didn't try it. That I was like, that's that's just that's a wuss mentality. It was just kind no, of pathetic. I, I was just mad. But. I completely agree. It summarizes this this entire philosophy of the offensive scheme of the Broncos. It's 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 a joke, and you know I don't necessarily love how McManus handled it. I didn't like, either. I, I, I didn't either, and I think he felt bad about that afterwards. But yeah, you know I've never loved kickers making themselves feel like they're bigger than they really are. I I, I don't know. I know they're a very important part of NFL teams, but quite frankly. The position annoys the heck out of me. Them and punters, it's like, just please do your job. I don't want to hear from you. That that's all I ask, you know. Um, but I but I was thrilled that he hit the game winner. Um, and uh, I don't know. I what what made me so mad about them, especially not going for it, was I could understand if you're going to throw a hail mary to the end zone. They drew up a play that they they only. The, the farthest receiver down the field was Sutton at the whatever 20-yard line, I think, or maybe even shorter. And so it's like, what are you doing? What was the purpose of that play? That's going to not do any good other than pad lock stats. I, I did not get that at all. And another interesting thing I want to bring up before we get into picking games for this week, it was another hot topic to talk about was the ch- choice to not kneel and go oh. go for a play, which ended up resulting in the defense pass interference against Cortland Sutton, or on Cortland Sutton, and then that resulted in the game-winning field goal. Um, and Fangio, after the game, without saying Scangarillo, but he said the offensive coach, who is Rich Scangarillo, he said he yeah. wanted to kneel it, and Vic Fangio overruled him and said, yeah. no, let's throw it up to 14 and see what happens. And, yeah, I thought that was that- really interesting – that he overruled him. I mean, good for him. That's final. Mm-hmm. This head coach, he should have final say. And two, yeah. I thought it was interesting that he kind of threw him under the bus like that. Yeah, and I, I think that's okay. I mean, you know what? This is a, you know, what have you done for me lately, league? And they need to hold each other accountable. And if he has to come out and, and a little have a little public shame on him, I'm, I'm okay with it. It was a joke for him to even consider kneeling it. And I, I knew I when. Um, when that play was happening, I was like, "Oh, we're you know we're we're just gonna take the knee." I I this is who we are. This is what we've done all year. Why would we do anything else? And the fact that they actually got away from that surprised the heck out of me. It does not surprise me that Scangarello 
wanted to take the knee at all. Um, and good for Vic. You know, I, I think it's a good sign for, for him to take more charge. I think in the first year of a coaching staff, I bet there's been a lot of other times that he didn't override it maybe when he wanted to um, just because he's learning too. And so maybe he's gaining a little bit more confidence to take the reins on the rain on things and say, you know what, I'm the head coach We're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree hundred percent with everything you said there. And, and I thought it was a smart play. Throw it up to 14, see what happens. He's so good at yeah. going up and getting 50-50 balls. Yep. Yep. So I was surprised, though. I thought they were coming out for a kneel down. I was surprised. Oh, when yeah. They didn't. So I couldn't believe it. So, oh, and one more thing I guess I should mention. I forgot. Von Miller did not play, um, ending his streak. I think it was like in 96 games in a row he had yeah. started. Um, which was second in the league for defensive players behind Ryan Kerrigan, which was like 126, and his streak snapped was snapped on Sunday. He missed the game because of concussion. Um, wow. So that was kind of interesting. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know if we'll see Vaughn back this week or if at all this year. I don't really know what's going on with his knee. So, Yeah, I'm, I'm – I again, I would not be mad if the Broncos shut him down. Yeah. I, I never there's no, there's no use. For that. No, there's not. Um, him potentially having a season-ending, career-ending injury would be the worst possible outcome that is totally possible. And so, yeah, if he's not good to go, don't play him. Yeah, there's. I mean, you can't lose your franchise defensive player when no. you're four and eight. So, nope. you ready to pick some games? Let's do it, man. All right, we got a Thursday nighter this week. A, a game both teams really need. You got the six and six Cowboys traveling to the six and six Chicago Bears. The NFC East is garbage, man. Um, the Bears are playing a little bit better as of late. Trubisky has found something that's worked for him. Um, because the Bears are at home and they've got a little bit of life to them, I'm actually going to pick the Chicago Bears and say that Jason Garrett gets fired after this game. That could happen. Um, I am taking the Cowboys. I just think they're more talented, and I think their backs are up against the wall, even though they're still probably going to win that division by default. Um, I don't know. It just, just seems like a game they have to win. I think they find a way. Um, it's hard to believe, though, if the Bears win this game, they're over five hundred, just with the season they've had. But they still mm-hmm. have a long ways to go to get even in the wild card hunt because mm-hmm. the uh, Vikings and now the Niners – since the Seahawks won last night, are really good wild card teams. Mm-hmm. So it's it's crazy yep. to think the Niners are a wild card team right now. But that's oh, I that's know. how it is. I mean, the NFL. I'm fine with how the playoff structure is, except I do hate that a crappy NFC team is probably going to host a really good wild card team. It kind of yeah. reminds me of 2011, which was uh, which benefited the Broncos, but the Broncos were an 8-8 eight eight team that backed up their way into the playoffs and hosted mm-hmm. a pretty good Steeler team when mm-hmm. really it probably should have been at Pittsburgh if you know if the NFL made logical sense, but it is what it right. is. So Right, yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and pick the uh, Bronco-Texan game. I'm going to go Houston on this one. I, I think they're – playing really well i mean they just came off a win against the patriots at home um i think it again i i expect this game to not be out of hand i the broncos outside of the chiefs and you know i'm not even really going to say the bills because it it felt like most of that game we were in it until kind of the fourth quarter um we've been in most games so i'm going to say this is a closer game than people nationally will expect um but i'm going to give this 
to the Texans, twenty-eight to twenty. Yeah, they would uh, cover the spread. The spread's nine and a half. I kind of like that score, and I think it's going to be anywhere between a seven to ten point game. Myself, yeah. Um, yeah. I think the Broncos will be competitive, but I think yeah, in the end, Houston's defense and and really their offense is just a little too good, and and, and it's yes. a lot to ask Drew Locke to get a win in his first road start against a yep. pretty good team who just beat the Patriots at home um, yep. in a game where the score was a lot closer than the game really was. Um, yep. I'm going to go Texans 27, Broncos 17. Yeah, I like that. I think that's very, very realistic. And also a, a nice little test for Locke before he goes into Arrowhead um, in two weeks. Yeah, which will be an emotional game for him for a kid that grew up in Missouri and is from the Kansas City area. <laughs> yep. So. Uh, got the Carolina Panthers, who are now without their head coach. They fired yeah. Ron Rivera today. I, I thought that would happen after the season. I don't know how much you gain firing a coach with four games remaining, but yeah. um, they went ahead and pulled the plug. I guess you get an early start on names you might want to uh, corral, I guess. I don't know. Um, they're at Atlanta. Yeah, um, I'm going to go Atlanta in this one. That's tough. You know, the Panthers have they've had so much talent wasted. Um under Ron Rivera, it's too bad that they uh, that that happened for him. But quite frankly, I I don't feel all that bad knowing that we beat him and his best team. You know, just a few years back, so. they haven't been the same <laughs> anyway. since. Broncos broke them. Yeah. So, so I'll go. I'll go Falcons. I'm going like Falcons as well. I think they've been playing a little better lately. I do think Dan Quinn will get fired after the season, though. So I think there'll be two head coaching vacancies in the NFC South. Um. But as far as Ron Rivera goes, I think he lands on his feet as a D coordinator somewhere if he still wants to be a coach. So mm-hmm. if he still wants to coach in the league, I think uh, he, he was always a pretty good defensive coordinator. So mm-hmm. uh, here's a pretty good matchup. We got the Baltimore Ravens at yeah. the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, this is going to be a really good football game. I, I was actually surprised to see the spread or the line open up at uh, Baltimore minus five and a half. Um, I thought it would maybe be Baltimore minus two and a half to three. Um, so five and a half is quite a lot, but I, I, you know, the Buffalo Bills, I, along with everybody else, I've been saying that they haven't played anybody. Their division outside of the Patriots is crap. Their schedule's been pretty easy. Um, you know, even the Cowboys last week was probably one of their tougher opponents. That really isn't that good. Um, but I think their defense is legit, and I think the fact that they have this game at home helps them a lot. I'm actually going to go Buffalo and make. Make things very interesting in the AFC uh, East. I'm, I'm going to take the Ravens. They're just they're just a good football team. Find ways to win games. Mm-hmm. Um, they got the best kicker and probably most accurate kicker in NFL history on their side, and that helps in close yeah. games. But I, I I thought this Bills team actually showed me something that on Thanksgiving at Dallas. I know Dallas definitely isn't the yeah. best team, but that's on a national sca- national stage, and they yeah. they, they surprised me because they they played uh, really well and really handed it to the Cowboys, but. I'm going to take the Ravens in a close one. All right. Uh, the battle for Ohio, the uh, one win now, Cincinnati Bengals at the Cleveland Browns. I've always hated this matchup. Um, <laughs> just kind of puts me right to bed. Uh, <laughs> but I'll go Cleveland. They're they're too good of a team on, on paper to lose to the Bengals at home. Uh, I agree. I think Cleveland's too talented. I think, uh, I think Cleveland wins this one. Redskins at Packers. What a what a disaster of an organization in Washington, man! At least we're you know we're not even we're not even close to that. So yeah, um, Packers win this one. They're playing really good football. I I like them to to make a lot of noise in the playoffs. 
I'm going Packers. Yep, Packers don't lose at Lambeau very often. They're not losing to a Redskin team who they're 13-point favorites over. So taking the Packers as well. Lions at Vikings. Vikings will get back on track. I'm going Minnesota. Yep, our, our guy David Blau played good in his uh, debut on Thanksgiving. Looks like he's got sure to he's got to get the start again because they shut down Driscoll for the year. They actually picked up Kyle Sloter. A lot of Broncos country remembers him <laughs> as the backup. He has the backup quarterback since Stafford fell uh, out. I don't think this goes very good for Blau on the road at Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota's too talented. I think they win pretty easily. Really good game here. I wish this was the Sunday night game. Uh, San Francisco at New Orleans. I'm still kind of waiting for San Francisco to wake up a little bit. I I, I feel like they're riding this amazing train. I mean, even the, the way they played in Baltimore was impressive. I, I think they're a really good football team, don't get me wrong. But something still tells me, you know, if they somehow win the NFC West, that they would, you know, falter in, in the divisional round. I, I don't know why I think that, but – um, I just think they're a little young. I think they, they got to mold together. Maybe next year is their, their big year. But I'm going to go New Orleans in this one. I think they're – if Drew's going to win another one, I, I think this is the year. So I'm going to go New Orleans. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping Drew can get another one right off to the, right off into the sunset like uh, Peyton Manning yeah. and John Elway both did. Um, yeah. It's hard for me to pick against the Saints at home anytime. Um, yeah. I, th- I think they get it done. Uh, but I think that will be a good game, though. Oh, definitely. Um, Dolphins at Jets. Another just crap game that I've never looked forward to on an NFL schedule. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the Jets, I said last week uh, to one of my buddies, I said, you know, this is exactly what would happen for the Jets is to lose to the Bengals after they came off of a blowout win against the Raiders um, to give Cincinnati their first win. And, of course, it happened. So some something tells me, though, they'll, they'll find a way to <laughs> – Shake that off and and get somewhat back on track. I'll I'll go New York. No, I'm going the Dolphins, just because I like uh, it. I I host another podcast on Mondays, the Tan and J Man Show, which which you can check out on any uh, podcast platform you listen to podcasts. Cheap little plug there. Um, and my co-host <laughs> is a big Dolphin fan, and and at the start of the year he made a bet that if the Dolphins won six or more games, he would do the Ghost Pepper Hot Chip Challenge. So oh, I am really rooting hard because the Dolphins have the Jets and they still have the Giants and the Bengals on the schedule. So I am oh. really hoping they could get to six <laughs> wins and I would just love life. So Fins up, man. So it's, it's, more, it's more fins up just from a personal standpoint. I think the Jets yeah. are the better team, but I didn't think the Dolphins were going to beat the Eagles at home, and they found a way to do it. Right. So Let's they, be honest. Both these teams stink. Oh, and I will give the Dolphins credit for how bad their roster is. Mm-hmm. Brian Flores has them playing really hard. I think the yeah. Dolphins, with a, a few key smart moves, could be pretty good here in a couple of years. It's going to take a little while, but. We'll and see. Brady will be out of that division, believe it or not. Yes. He will retire from yep. football at some point. <laughs> that, that will open up the AFC East finally for yep. the first time yep. in like since the Stone Age. But 20 years. Uh, interesting game here. The Indianapolis Colts, who are just kind of free-falling losers of five, four of their last five games at Tampa Bay. I've not been a big believer in the Colts um, since they lost to Oakland. They, you know, I know that they beat um, – Houston and Kansas City in impressive games, but then since then they have just completely looked horrible. I mean, after they played us, which they should have never won that game, they have they just have not looked the same. Um, Tampa Bay, 
they're I don't I don't watch enough Tampa Bay games to know how they're doing what they're doing, but they score a lot of points. Um, it sounds like they're pretty exciting to watch. I will go Tampa Bay. They do score points, but you gotta you, you gotta put up with crab legs, Jameis Winston throwing three or oh, four yeah. picks a game. But <laughs> then on the defensive side, Shaq Barrett gets about a strip sack every game. Still, yep. still mad he walked for a one-year five million dollar contract, but he bet on himself. Yep. Now he's probably gonna get paid big time in the offseason yep. somewhere. Good for him. But um, I'm gonna take the Colts. I don't know why because I just don't think they're very good. But I I just don't mm-hmm. like uh, Jameis Winston very much. And mm-hmm. It's interesting. The Colts fans are starting to kind of get frustrated with Brissett already. And I saw a first round mock draft that they have them taking Utah State quarterback Jordan Love at pick number seventeen. So mm. wow, that would be interesting. So sure would. Got the L.A. Chargers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Minshew Mania is back. Oh, that needs to be. Nick Foles, when he's outside of an Eagles uniform, he's terrible. When (laughs) he's in an Eagles uniform, he's like Superman. It's like Clark Kent turns into Superman somehow, but he's not in an Eagles uniform. So, Uh, Honestly, Philadelphia could probably trade Carson Wentz for quite a bit to a really desperate team. Um and if they get Nick Foles back, why not? I mean, <laughs> for a third the, time, the guy won a Super Bowl for, <laughs> for a third time. Why not? <laughs> I told him, "Be careful what you wish for." When they made that choice, and yep. Vince hadn't been the yep. same since he got hurt. But yep, no doubt. I like the Chargers um, in this one. I just think they're too talented. Even though they're four and eight, and and they're actually last in the division because we swept them, I still yeah. just think they're too talented and, and can beat the Jaguars. I do too, but man, they are they are a weird football team philip rivers is on the wrong side of about just just about every single game which i love and his, seeing him bitch and moan is just fantastic i loved seeing chris harris get up in his grill um after uh, one of those false start penalties before he completed that long one that was awesome did they show that on tv i did not see that no oh it was awesome man um but anyway i'm gonna go jacksonville on this one yeah, chris harris is 14 and 4 in his career against the chargers by the way love it um, and I, I, I will go on record. I think Rivers is done after this year. I think he retires. So, yeah, see, he's got to settle down. He's got a lot of, lot of little kids running around to take care of. Uh, Steelers at Cardinals, a Super Bowl uh, rematch from years ago. Yeah, the Steelers are not a seven and five football team. But I think um, Mike Tomlin's coach of the year right now. I yeah, really, I really I do. Mean, I, I don't think done, they have much right now, and he keeps they keep no, winning close games. They do. They it's do. annoying, I don't, really. But. I don't know how. I know. The Cardinals have a lot of problems to fix, but I do think they have a bright future. Um, because the Steelers need a win in this one, I'm going to go Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think Pittsburgh wins. Cardinals looked so bad against the Rams this week, and a Rams team who looked so bad the week before. Just shows yeah. you the NFL is such a week-to-week league. But yep. I think the Steelers are just a better team than the Cardinals. So. Mm-hmm. Kansas City at New England. I'm definitely going to England in this game. It's not even a biased pick. I just think they're the better coach team, and they know how to win these kind of games late in the year, um, at home especially. If Kansas City wants to be for real and not be the laughing stock of the AFC West in terms of competitiveness and overall Super Bowl production, this is a game you win. I'm sorry, but like th- if you want to be taken seriously, this is the game you have to win. I don't think they're going to do it. Andy Reid does not know how to win the big one. Um, I'm going Patriots. Yeah, I like the Patriots at home. They don't lose to Foxborough hardly ever. Um, Chiefs are a different team on the road than they are at Arrowhead, even though they've lost a couple games at Arrowhead this year. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I don't think they can win the AFC because I don't see them going into Foxborough or going into Baltimore and getting wins in oh. in the cold, tough conditions. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm taking the Patriots in this one, even though their offense has not looked that good as of late. I think they're uh, good enough to get it done on Sunday. Um, Titans at Raiders. Ryan Tannehill has saved his career. Um, yes, and he has. Tennessee Titans are for real. Their defense was good all year round, um, and it's hard to believe that the Broncos beat Tennessee sixteen nothing. Well, we can <laughs> th- we can be thankful that Mariota played half that game. So I know, but even with even that, it's it's still somewhat hard to believe. But yes, Mariota playing had a big role in that. Um, Derrick Henry is really fun to watch. I believe a lot in that defense, and Mike Vrabel. Man, he can coach. I'm going Tennessee. Raiders are falling apart. I loved everything you said there, but for some reason, and I hate it, I think the Raiders are going to bounce back and win this game. I don't know why. Yeah, They were awful at Kansas City last week. They are awful at New York the week before. I think yep. returning home, they find some good vibes and do enough to stay around in the wild card hunt for now. Um, I hope they do so that we can I kind of do too, so we can spoil the party. Um, yeah. That'd be sweet to bounce them to Vegas on a losing yeah. note, but uh, <laughs> but I will definitely not be butt hurt or crying if the Titans go in their wings. Yeah, this Titan team's fun to watch. Really, it's weird to say that they are. I don't know. Um, They've never been a team I've I've cared to watch, but I I agree. This year, there's something I, about them with Tannehill and yep. Derrick Henry. That's and and I fun. like Vrabel. I think he's a good coach. I like the way yeah. he orga- or, or orchestrates things. So, yeah. Then your Sunday night games: the Seahawks at the Rams. Um, man, the Rams confuse me. I, I don't know what happened to them from last year. Super Bowl um, hangover. Yeah, I, I. But I just I can't even write it up on paper in terms of this is what happened. I mean, Todd Gurley not being good has been a big issue. Jared Goff has taken a step back. I do think. Um, I don't know. I don't watch enough of their games to know what McVay's doing with them. They they went impressively last week, but looked awful the week before, like you said. Um. Seahawks are a good team, man. I'm going Seattle. I am too. Seattle's been my NFC uh, pick to represent in the Super Bowl all year. I got to stick yeah. with them. I'm just not a believer in the Rams this year. Yeah, kind of like everything you said. I'm I'm picking Seattle. Then your Monday night game. I hate these matchups. You're talking about matchups you hate. I hate the <laughs> NFC East. I think it's boring yeah. football. I've always hated it. With that said, Giants at Eagles. It's a must win for the Eagles. Um, if they were playing anybody else besides the Giants, I'd probably pick against them just because they've been so bad. I mean, you lose to Miami. I, I don't know what happened there, but I'm going to go Philadelphia. I am too. I just don't see how they lose to the Giants at home. But I'll tell you, uh, maybe Peterson's not as good a coach as we all thought. Um, yeah. It seems like he's struggled ever since he's lost a majority of his staff two years mm-hmm. ago. But yeah. we're, we're not. Yeah, they did they make the playoffs last year? Uh, they missed the playoffs last year, I want to say. Yeah, because Wentz got hurt. Well, no. I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think – no, they made it, Jeff, because remember they lost a close game oh, in New Orleans because Alshon – they beat the Bears on the Parky Clank. Yes, and then they yes, lost yes, down yes. in New Orleans when uh, Jeffrey dropped that pass. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, because yeah. I yeah, thought Foles right. was going to do it again. Yes, thank you. <laughs> but anyways, I now that you know he keeps losing more staff members every year, I just I just don't know how good a head coach he is. But yeah, um, yeah. Any any closing thoughts on the uh, Broncos heading into Houston? No, I, I think um, 
you know, this team still has a lot of holes. There's no doubt. We're a, we're a somewhat broken football team. However, with some promising things to look forward to, I'm really glad that we get to see Drew Locke, uh, hopefully the rest of the way, if all goes well, um, and he can stay healthy. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he looks like on the road. I, I was, I, I say all things considered, the stats don't show it, but I saw a guy that could stick around, um, for a bit. I'm not going to say anything more than that. It's too hard to evaluate on one game, but I think he just the basic eye test from day one says this, we haven't had a guy that at least looks like that. Um, and can move like that and can throw like that since Cutler. So I'm excited to see what happens next week. And, um, Hopefully the 19,000 no-shows uh, doesn't happen again against Detroit. Yeah, it, it definitely makes Sunday's game more exciting. I was more excited about this week's, this past week's game. I mean, the week before against the Bills was about the least excited I've ever been for a Bronco game in my life. <laughs> yeah. um, and then just inserting Drew Locke finally made it that much more exciting just to see what yeah. – I want to see what the kid can do. And, yeah, I, I'm not ready to go on record and say he definitely is the answer or, you know, the future, but – but he he just he has that it factor. I saw enough yes. of it factor. I want to see more. I want to see yes. more. What can he do these next four games? And can he do yeah. enough to make the Broncos brass say, "Yeah, we don't need a quarterback. Let's go get some line help or a or a receiver or maybe even some defensive mm-hmm. backs or something." So, um, and let him fling it. Let, let him, him yeah, let it. him loose. Why not? Why yeah. not? You're not yep. gonna make the playoffs. Just just yep. balls to the wall. Have fun. Let it loose. So. Yep. And thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Orange Weekly Post Game Podcast. Remember to check out all of our other content, which is Broncos After Dark on Mondays, the Facebook Live show. You got Bourbon Broncos and No BS on Tuesdays at 7 o'clock Mountain Time. That's a Facebook Live show. You got the pregame podcast, usually later in the week, with Jared and Matt breaking down the X's and O's. Then you got the pregame show on Facebook on Sundays, as well as the Halftime Hash. You also got... Um, Rays Ragers, which is a, a betting show. So if you like to bet, look for that. And much more content on orangeweekly.com. And remember, you can become a Patreon member and enter to win some great monthly Broncos prizes. So with that said, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for joining me again, Jeff. And go Broncos. Go Broncos, Tanner. I'm right.